Hi, everybody. I'm Austin. And I'm Maddie. And this is Will This Be On The Test? And I've already <laughs> fucked up the intro. <laughs> I panicked. I panicked. Well, anyway, uh, we're here talking about the things that you uh, should have learned in school, you didn't learn, or you didn't learn correctly. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie. And I'm Austin. And we're here today to talk about some things you should have learned in school, but didn't learn, didn't learn fully, or didn't learn correctly. <laughs> This is episode 100. Yeah. And we are switching things around a little bit, and that was a legitimate attempt. And I I, I got in his head. I got in his head. I practiced, and I screwed up that bad. (laughs) I got in his head, I admit. Are you sure you want to keep going? Do you want to try again? No, let's keep going. This is great. This is what people are here for. (laughs) So, for episode 100, we decided to do things a little differently. Um... Our first attempt was a failure, so we'll see how things go from here. Because we each researched a topic without telling the other person what it is, and they have to present our topic. I know. And uh, she she looked at me and said, okay, you have to promise not to read ahead. So I can't read ahead on this. I've just got to go. Yeah, he's not been allowed to see anything with it, just like I've not seen anything with mine. And we, you can't skim over things ahead of time. Like You yeah. have to just read in the moment. Our one thing was... You can't choose a topic that will make the other person actively upset in some way. Like, you can do something that'll that'll fuck with them a little bit. Yeah. But you can't do anything that you know will, like, be actually painful to them in some way. Um, we usually, you know, start off with a little bit about our week. We cut down a tree yesterday. Yes, we did. And by... Well, no, no. I think that I did take an equal role in this. You did. You really did. See, I didn't get to use the chainsaw because I, I've broken ten bones, guys. But I lopped off the branches and I did a bunch of other yard work and we got things into bags. And so I think I did an an equal amount of work to you. In fact, I probably cut more than you did during this entire thing. I think you did. And my only injuries, and my friends who listen to this will be impressed, are a couple of blisters on my hands. Very proud. Didn't even have an allergic reaction. Meanwhile, I I woke up this morning. I had like a huge Charlie horse and my entire body hurts because I'm old. and I tried to do yard work. Oh, my arm. My arm hurts today, but that's about it. So uh, and as a reward, we took ourselves to see Malignant yesterday, which there's something we can really say that won't be a spoiler. So it'll surprise you. It it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. And I would recommend it. Yeah. Um, It's just it's it'll surprise you. Yes. But I think we should just jump into it, because I'm let's, excited about this. Let's jump into it, and I get to go first. All right. So Austin's going to be using my tablet. This is the one that gives me slightly less trouble than my usual tablet. And I'm opening his for him. It is titled Episode 100 for Austin. I usually title it with the episode title. Here we go. Okay. I've wanted to cover the history of different types of music for a while now. By I, it's me. <laughs> and we... And all we learned in school was classical music. Beethoven, including the false story that he wrote, dun, 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 thing to keep people from falling asleep. I remember we learned about Bach, but I can't remember anything about him. And probably a bunch of other guys named Johan. <laughs> well, the music I'm talking about today has a well-known and well-documented history that would ultimately become a significant influence on music worldwide. Beginning in the 1600s, immigrants began flooding into what would later become the U.S. from England, Scotland, and Ireland, bringing their local types of music with them. They began to form settlements in the South and combine their styles. Their music focused on the everyday life they now lived and what on... 
the everyday life they now lived or the land around them. The instruments changed over time as more immigrants came and brought theirs with them. I think I know what this is, and I hate you. <laughs> I hate you so much. African music was also a part of this, thanks to us enslaving people. Good job, us. <laughs> And since this was being created in the South, of course, there was that influence. Despite being the result of combined immigrant and enslaved styles, this music is considered a truly American style. Yes, um, this type of music would not have existed had the United States not formed the way it did. Therefore, it is a uniquely American style of music. God, yet another way that, sla- that slavery fucked up this country just irreparably. <laughs> Okay, uh, guys, to be clear, he does think the actual slavery part is worse than what we're talking about today. Yes, yes. It it was hyperbole. Wait, I think I left the other part in about that relates to that. That'll come later. Oh, God. (laughs) As, As time went on, this music, then called country, hillbilly, or mountain music, began to integrate blues and gospel music. However, it stayed predominantly in the hills of Appalachia until the early 1900s when radio became widespread and the better-known groups of musicians began to be heard across the country. Uh-huh. Radio was such a great invention. It brought our country together. Thank you so much, Marconi, for inventing the radio. I can thank you for this. (laughs) Oh, no, he's not the one you can thank for this. Just wait. Enter Bill Monroe. That's the one you can thank for this. Born William Smith Monroe on September 13th, 1911, near Rosine, Kentucky. He grew up singing and playing music with his family. His brothers played fiddle and guitar and forced him into playing the mandolin. Apparently, that's the least desirable instrument. I can confirm it is the worst instrument. And as a side note, I'm pretty sure I chopped, I took this part off. His brothers not only made him play the mandolin, but they made him take half the strings off so that the audience wouldn't be able to hear it as well. <laughs> By the time he hit 16, both his parents had died. He ultimately moved in with his uncle, Pendleton Van Diver. Yeah, seriously, it's not a great name. Yeah, a fiddle player he accompanied on mandolin at dances. Yeah, and I saw some stuff saying that his uncle was disabled. It didn't go into what that meant exactly, but it did have, uh, this person did have a major influence on the remainder of his career. In 1929, he moved to Indiana, where his brothers Birch, 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 like a tree, and Charlie lived with their friend, William Old Hickory Harden. (laughs) Is everybody named after trees? (laughs) Oh, there are some fun names in this. Uh, and Larry Moore. They formed the musical group Monroe Brothers to play at parties. However, the group soon became a duo with just Bill and his brother Charlie playing live on the radio across parts of the Midwest and South from 1934 to 1936. Okay, there's a lot of similarities between our two different stories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we really had like no conversations about Zero any of this. Zero conversations about I this. I did ask earlier if he could guess what mine was about for him, and he said horses. And I said the musical Cats. So I don't know what my topic is yet. We'll find out. (laughs) Regardless, they became well known enough that they were given a recording contract in 1936 and had their first hit single, a gospel song called What Would You Give in Exchange for Your Soul? (laughs) Austin's like, I would give anything to not be talking about this right (laughs) now. They disbanded in 1938 and Bill, after a couple of life changes, Monroe joined up with the singer slash guitarist Cleo Davis and fiddler Art Wooten. 
Okay, Wooten is an underrated name. Yeah. It sounds, it's a very exciting name. It's his last name. Wooten. It's his last name. Yep. And bassist Amos Guerin, or at least according to some sources. Some sources say that they were totally different people, or maybe they had an additional people <laughs> later on, who I'll talk about in a bit. See, Austin also has never looked at my notes before, and this is more or less how I write them, except my notes make less sense when I write them for me. I actually cleared this up for you. Oh, yeah, I had I to have, clear up mine I've, a lot. I've heard one like mistake I've made so far, not in terms of factuality, just words. Yeah. There's a couple of things I've had to like flip around. It's like, yeah, it's very good so far. I'm like a script. I am almost like you're a playwright. I'm not good. Well, according to my playwriting teacher in uh, college, she's the same one who told me that I wasn't creative, creative enough to be in theater. I don't write like how real people speak. And I said, are you saying that people can't have decent vocabularies? And she's like, people just don't talk like this. Um, My friends, you know, we're in college. We talk to each other about these high level. It was it was about science, ironically, yep. considering she called me her little scientist after that fucking bitch. Yep. Regardless, the group was called the Bluegrass Boys. I knew it. I knew it. Because, yes, my friends, we are talking about bluegrass music today. I hate bluegrass. <laughs> I hate it so much. <laughs> Keep reading. Austin's reaction from the moment he realized this is the topic, whether it was a buildup or a sudden realization or something in between, is where is why I buried the lead so much. You're welcome, everybody. You're a monster. And yes, that is how you spell lead. Yeah. Despite its 300-year history, Bill Monroe is considered the father of official bluegrass music. Before this, the closest thing to bluegrass hadn't been standardized yet. Nowadays, there may be confusion between, is this country bluegrass, blues, old time, or folk? But for those of you uninitiated, what exactly is bluegrass music? Austin gets to talk at length about his favorite music style now. Austin thinks bluegrass is a mistake. (laughs) The Library of Congress states... Typically, a bluegrass band consists of four to seven performers who sing while accompanying themselves on acoustic acoustic string instruments such as the guitar, double bass, fiddle, five-string banjo, mandolin, steel guitar, and dobro. Bluegrass combines elements of old-time mountain music, square dance fiddling, blues, gospel, jazz, and popular music. What is a dobro? I have no idea. All I was able to find about a dobro, and kind of didn't do too much research, is that it was invented in the United States. This is actually a U.S. invention uh, by two immigrant brothers, and the name comes from a combination of their last name and the word brothers. I think they're like the Dobrovskis or something, so dobro. But I actually didn't even look up what it was. Yeah. I figured you would know because you know music stuff and you are such a huge fan of bluegrass. I, I knew at one point. I do feel like I've blocked out of my mind. I have intentionally forgotten it. <laughs> you guys have no idea how much I have to hear. We'll be sitting here doing like watching a movie, doing nothing. All of a sudden, out of blue, all of a sudden we'll go, I fucking hate bluegrass music. No context. Usually we'll hear it in the background of something and it'll just... And I want to be clear, I'm not covering the history of bluegrass. Well, I am. I'm covering the history of bluegrass, but I'm also talking about why bluegrass is highly important to the evolution of music in general. Enjoy. Uh, this is the part where you can see a lot of international influences, even beyond the British Isles. Bluegrass today says the guitar is an instrument from Spain. The mandolin, the fiddle and the acoustic bass all come from Italy. And the design of the banjo was brought over by the slaves from Africa. Look at one of the blue. 
Look, one of the Bluegrass sites admits that they took some ideas from enslaved people. Several other Bluegrass sites won't mention this. Yeah, they will either say it was brought over um, from, but from Africa, but they won't mention the slavery aspect. Or they just won't mention the African influences on this at all. Also, unfortunately, the banjo didn't gain popularity among white people until we wore blackface and used them in minstrel shows. Uh, yeah. yeah, although, okay, I actually love the banjo, and I actually didn't know about this connection until I was doing this research. I love a good banjo, um, and Steve Martin plays the banjo. Steve Martin does play the banjo. And you can't say anything bad about Steve Martin that I, I, I sure hope you can. I can't think of anything I mean, I know that he did it. some movies that didn't age well from back in the 80s. But everyone everybody from the did. 80s. <laughs> and also, we're watching Only Murders in the Building right now, and it's great. You should watch it. It's very... Selena Gomez is a treasure. I love Selena Gomez, but if you watch it, guys, really watch out for how they're social distancing and stuff as they do it. It's really interesting. Yep. Additionally, it's similar to jazz because it allows different instruments to take the lead at different times and leaves room for improvising. It's typically very fast, which is a big part of what distinguishes it from folk music. The performers focus on the notes they think is coming rather than the blues, which focuses on what's happened before. Yeah, they're guessing what notes they think are going to come next, and, that's, and that is how they choose what's, what they're going to play based on what they assume the other people are going to play next, yeah. as opposed to what was already played that gives an idea of what's, uh, as, which gives an idea of what to continue with. Which is why sometimes it sounds like people just threw a bunch of rocks in a bag full of instruments and shook it around. Yeah. Uh, unlike country or old-time music, bluegrass focuses on the offbeat. I know Austin has lots of reasons for hating bluegrass, but the focus on the offbeat is probably why I don't mm, I hate meaning it. me. Yep. <laughs> Maddie's always had a hard time finding the beat in music because <laughs> she can't necessarily tell which beat we're supposed to follow. It's like in music class as a kid when they had you clap with the beat. They all sounded as important to her. It's easier when they're singing. The offbeat is what falls in between the main beats when done rhythmically. At least that's how I understand it. Perhaps Austin can explain it better. I mean, that's close enough. Because, like, there's the offbeat, which is, like, the main one that you're supposed to, like, bump, 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 bump. But then there's stuff in the back that was like, bump, 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 bump. And I'm like, these, the music, the the music wouldn't make sense if these weren't both here. Which one am I supposed to be following? And I was, I still, to this day, cannot do it unless I am singing with it because singing has a certain beat and rhythm to it. But even then, there are some songs, like the ones that Taylor Swift liked to, like, swoosh together that give me several beats and I don't know what's happening. It's also different from country and old time because country doesn't have the same instruments and old time plays largely together or with only one instrument in the lead, but seems pretty similar in most other ways. Also, country music is almost exclusively about uh, killing cheating husbands or trucks now. Or taking your horse to the old town road. Okay, Austin, have I gotten you to come around on that song yet? It's like, I liked it at first, but then it got overplayed, and now I've got some distance be- between myself and Old Time Road again. I like it again. Well, and I reintroduced him to it using the music video. I had not watched the music which video. Which is awesome. It is very good. I love Lil Nas X. Uh, bluegrass music typically requires the sing- singers to use the higher ends of their ranges, which is often called a high lonesome sound when they do it the way they do. Yeah, it's like this really tight sound is how they described it. It's a bad falsetto. Yeah, it's it's a twangy it's, falsetto. Like it's a higher end of their range, but it's very controlled, and they call it high lonesome. Yeah. Now you may be wondering, what about those washboards and those other things we often associate with bluegrass? Those are usually in jazz, zydeco, skiffle, jug bands, or old time music. As far as I can tell, anyone who uses those calls themselves bluegrass is a dirty, dirty liar. <laughs> 
However, those sources say harmonicas and mouth harps are okay. And apparently mouth harp is not the official name for that. And it's, I read, I read the official name and I'm like, dear yeah. Lord. And yeah. so I clicked on it to try to find a name that was better. Yeah. I've actually had this discussion um, playing Dungeons and Dragons. Now, it, like admittedly, I did not dig it deeper to find out why it has a um, name associated with a religion. It could be, it could actually be perfectly fine to say. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But since we are not Jewish, I decided not to say it. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, it doesn't pass the initial sn- sniff test. So we're just going to walk past it. Yeah. I didn't care enough about a mouth harp to... Yep. <laughs> the music is still typically has a narrative songs or talks about current topics, similar to folk songs and old time songs. Those type of music are often allowed to sneak into bluegrass festivals. Yeah, folk, mm. folk and old time are often in bluegrass festivals, but they yeah. are not bluegrass. If they have instruments beyond the stringed instruments, they are walking on the edge of not being bluegrass. If they have anything beyond those, plus a mouth harp and a harmonica, they are something else. That's what what I could tell from my research. Moving on with the story. Bill Monroe and the Bluegrass Boys auditioned for the Grand Old Opry in October 1939. He's rebelling so hard against this that he pronounced a D in Grand Old Opry. Yes, I am... uh... I am very intentionally not dropping a single G in this entire recording. There wasn't a G there. You, you, said, you said grand old Opry. Like you were like, Ye- I am fighting against this. Yeah. And they went, on, they went on stage that year. They were signed for a record label. They recorded a seven track album, but Monroe continued to refine the style as time went on. Until 1946, you could hear the struggles of figuring out exactly what bluegrass was. The music was fast and energetic, but straightforward forward and simple at the same time. It was kind of like old time music, but go but slightly faster. I can't really tell when this happened, but some very influential bluegrass and honestly other types of music names ended up with the band. Earl Scruggs, who created the three finger banjo picking style now called the Scruggs style. Before that, it was two fingers that would that would play the uh, banjo. Now it's three. This is probably what bluegrass is best known for. When you hear the sound, you know it's bluegrass. Lester Flatt also brought the idea of using bass runs instead of other sounds to bridge gaps between the chords. I have no idea what this means. Yeah, I have, I have that in there in hopes that Austin might know what that means. <laughs> it's like, you know, the... Oh, gosh. I, I don't want... Because, like, to me, a chord is like a dun-dun. It's like the notes. Mm-hmm. So, like, but... So it's like, what is what is the bass doing between different notes? Running. You know, it's like when the bass goes... Or something like that. So the chords aren't waiting for it to do it. It's no. just happening like kind yeah. of the whole time. It's kind of bridging them. them. It's keeping things moving. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. But can you already see how this is influencing other styles of music? Yes, it is. Uh, he was he was also the main singer. Uh, Chubby Wise, or p- possibly Chubby, Chubby Weiss? I don't know. I don't played, remember. Played the fiddle in a bluegrassy swing way. Again, relatively unique to bluegrass. Howard Watts who was a comedian who went by Cedric Rainwater, played the upright bass. This version of The Bluegrass Boys recorded 28 songs in the mid-1940s. Side note, The Bluegrass Boys lasted about 60 years and had 150-plus musicians were in the band over that time. Bill Monroe was the only one who was there the entire time. Wow. Many people believe The Bluegrass Boys were the only people playing this type of music at the time. Yeah. uh, So the early 1900s thing was a little bit confusing. It was kind of pre-Bluegrass that was starting to play, but these guys really got things on the radio, and they are believed to be the only ones who were actually playing genuine Bluegrass for several years until others started listening and going, oh, I can play that too, especially when a couple of them left the group, which you're about to hear about. Uh, 
And this is where we see how bluegrass became important. Their most famous song was called Blue Moon of Kentucky, which was actually outside the norm for bluegrass because it was a slower waltz. Then Elvis Presley heard it and recorded it in 1954 as a rock song with permission from Monroe. And Monroe himself re-released it as a fast-paced song after that. The song would also be recorded by Patsy Cline, Paul McCartney, John Fogarty, and Zombie Ghost Train, a psychobilly and gothabilly group out of Australia on their album Monster Formal Wear. Okay. I have not gotten to listen rocks. to them yet and I really want to, but I, I, I didn't want Austin to have any idea what I was doing and he would have noticed known I was doing something with music if I put headphones in. Yeah. Uh Flat and Scruggs left the band in nineteen forty eight to form Foggy Mountain Boys. So now we have two bluegrass bands. Monroe signed with Decca Records the following year, and the Bluegrass Boys entered the Golden Age. More musicians began recording bluegrass which started to have regional twists. Still, the Bluegrass Boys were on the top until the 1950s. At the time, rock music had rock and roll had taken hold, and Nashville sound style of country began to take over. However, he had a brief resurgence in the 1960s 60s when American folk music revival happened, and the youngins began to discover Monroe's music. Now, the American folk revival that's happening right in that time... Um, it happened in the 1950s and the 1960s, and many of the artists in that were playing folk music at the time, we were part of the whole um, McCarthyism witch trials that were happening at the time, and were only able to play in places like college campuses that would still allow free speech. Ooh. Uh, this was when bluegrass as a genre was formally named. Yep, it had not been called anything until that point. In well, it had been called hillbilly for the most yeah. part. In 1964, before the Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia became the equivalent of deadhead, for Monroe and Car- Caravan across the country to follow him. Because, fun fact, Jerry Garcia was a banjo player who wanted to audition for Monroe, but never did. However, Bluegrass became a major influence on the Grateful Dead. Yeah, he was literally following Bill Monroe across the country like deadheads follow the Grateful Dead. Wow, I always knew I didn't really like the Grateful Dead. Now I know why. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, in 1965, the first ever bluegrass festival occurred in Roanoke, Virginia. Of course it did. <laughs> and Monroe was the main event. Even after the folk revival ended, bluegrass festivals became extremely common. Monroe founded the Bean Blossom Festival in 1967, and it became the longest-running bluegrass festival to date. He began to collaborate with other bluegrass and country artists, mostly writing instrumentals for them. Monroe's last performance was March 15, 1996. He had a stroke in April of that year and died September 9th at the age of 84. And in 2008, Universal Studios Hollywood had a major fire. Over 100,000 masters and 500,000 songs were destroyed, including Billie Holiday, Dolly Parton, Cher, Busta Rhymes, Tim Curry, Rodney Dangerfield, and Bill Monroe. I also left Tupac off that list, sorry. Yeah. And Martin Luther King. Really? A master recording of one of his speeches. Oh, wow. Apparently, the living musicians whose music was in that fire were not notified and found out through the news, like everyone else. Eleven years later! Uh Uh-huh, did you- this was at the end when I was going, what the fuck? Which didn't really go over well. It's hard to tell how many things were 100% lost, and how many had recording copies available elsewhere, even if not the masters. Wow. So, why does bluegrass matter? Other than by me annoying Austin by making him read aloud all about it here. (laughs) Although I think that is the most important thing Bluegrass has ever done. I cut some stuff out of mine because like, I didn't want to mess with you that hard. I cut two pages out. Thank you very much. Oh, I should have left in some unpronounceable names. 
it has had a major influence on nearly every type of music. It's as simple as that. The creative ways of playing the instruments, the new types of rhythms and emphases, all of that. Monroe's songs have been covered many times over, and lots of artists of all genres name him as an influence. Which pissed him right off. <laughs> nearly any artist who said that was not who said that was not up to his standards, and he mocked the shit out of them. Yep. Unlike many people who get named the father of things, he actually did consider himself the father of bluegrass. Uh-huh. This arrogant motherfucker. <laughs> Although, is he wrong, though, in this case, in terms no. of that? I don't know about, you know, him being a dick about the influence thing, but he actually was the father of bluegrass. It's also been the soundtrack to lots of different movie and TV shows, probably most stereotypically Deliverance and Beverly Hillbillies. However, it has been in ones that aren't as obvious. Today, you can hear bluegrass and its offshoot, <sighs> Newgrass which has allowed some more progressive things to occur, particularly in rock and roll. However, however, anytime you hear a banjo, a fiddle, and a mandolin in the background, chances are there's something bluegrassy happening. The opposite is also the case with bluegrass groups doing pretty uh, fun covers of popular songs. So, in short, if it wasn't for bluegrass, we may not have rock and roll and many other types of music as we know them today. I hope that you have enjoyed Austin trying not to run out of the room during this. <laughs> I, okay, I'm not sure the microphone could pick up me gritting my teeth for parts of this. <laughs> well, You're he managed, a monster. He managed. It was like watching a newscaster try to like deal with it, deal with something that they didn't want to deal with. Yeah. Okay. So a little bit of backstory. Um, as a child growing up, I played the violin. However, uh, my family were bluegrass people, and they wanted to make sure that I played the fiddle. <laughs> And I did not appreciate it. And they'd also drag me every year to a very big bluegrass festival in Kansas at Winfield. And they'd insist, like, Austin, bring your instruments. Like, okay, cool. I need to practice anyway. And it's like, why don't you join a jam, Austin? It's like, no, I don't want to. I need to practice this Vivaldi piece. Yeah, he always was very clear that he played the violin and not the I played fiddle. the violin. Eventually, I switched to the viola instead of the violin because I was so tired of being asked about fiddle music. And there is no... Fiddle music for the viola. All right, Austin, be, be honest. What was the real reason you switched to viola? I also wanted to annoy uh, a uh, friend of mine, ours in high school <laughs> yeah, who, who played all, the viola. Who played the viola well. She played it oh, well. My... I was mediocre. I was like walking down the hallway one day and I heard like the most beautiful music I had ever heard coming from a side, a side hallway. I actually like went on a detour and you know what a good kid I was. Like I was, if I was going someplace, I was going there to actually go and like see what this music was and it was her playing her viola by herself in a hallway yeah <sighs> but he did it mostly to bug her oh, yeah i it's true i did it and so he'd be so they'd stop asking him to play the fiddle <laughs> yeah it's like i have like multiple purposes i am a complex person many layers like an ogre or an onion all right so oh, we, the we, other thing we decided is that we aren't writing questions for each other he has to try to think of questions based on what he just read okay Will the fact that um, bluegrass was influenced by enslaved people be on the test? Yes. Will the fact that Bill Monroe called himself the father of bluegrass be on the test? <laughs> no. <laughs> Will the fact that the grateful that Jerry Garcia plays the banjo be on the test? It should be. Isn't that awesome? It is awesome. Like I like out of all the people, it's like if you like list like okay, if you had like listed off a hundred random people and say which one of these play the banjo, he'd have been at the bottom of my no, list. But like, I want you to think about this, though, because the Grateful Dead is an incredibly influential rock band, right? Mm -hmm. If he had auditioned for Bill Monroe and become one of the Bluegrass Boys, the Grateful Dead never would have existed, nor would any of the bands who were influenced by them. 
whoa yes so it's only because he kind of like got from what i understood he kind of got scared to audition and didn't audition for bill monroe after being a deadhead for him basically that's crazy man like but he brought that influence into the grateful dead which means that bluegrass has directly influenced all rock music since then and will the lingering specter of mumford and sons be on the test mumford and sons is not american so no yeah it's not relevant no. Yeah, if it's not American, it's not relevant. You heard it here first. It's not relevant to bluegrass. No. <laughs> I mean, it is relevant because music from there did influence bluegrass. So it's more like Mumford and yep. Sons time travel that influenced all of this to happen. And will the offbeat be on the test? Yes, and I'll get that question wrong. Okay. Yay! So that was the history of blue and influence of bluegrass. How are you feeling right now? Ugh. I learned more about bluegrass than I did in years of going to bluegrass festivals with my family. But then again, every there was, everyone there was drunk and high, so there wasn't really a lot of educating happening. Yeah, it was really weird when he was five, just walking around, smoking the ganj. Yeah, just <laughs> ripping bong hits at eight, you know. <laughs> All right, you ready for me to start? I am ready for you to start. Okay, it's titled Surprise Topic for Maddie. I'm going to take a sip of my water. Let Austin recover for a moment. Oh, man. My brain is itchy after that. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm just hearing banjos now. Well, hopefully awful. they're not the Deliverance ba- banjos. <sighs> I've actually never seen Deliverance. You've never seen Deliverance? I haven't. I I'm actually ga- think... I gather some of those movies we sh- like, I should see just because of how far into the culture it is. I've actually, I've, I've seen it once. And I'm trying to think if it's like a movie that's worthwhile to watch. I think it might be because it's like a it's got like a lot of psychological aspects to it and like fear yeah. and misunderstanding. Oh, we watched The Hills Have Eyes this weekend. Yeah. Uh, the original one, not the new version of it. Now, to be clear, there is some racist stuff that di- that would not translate well into modern storytelling. So just be ready to hear a couple terms and go, ooh, like, terms that we didn't even know existed. Yeah. But and, you know, you and I, we went to go see Scary Stories Tell in the Dark. Yeah. And there's a racial slur that's in that movie, and the ki- the people behind us going, "What is that? I don't. What's going? Why are they mad?" And I'm like, "Oh, Rem- remember that? Yeah." Um, and it was because we were what, probably 15 years older than them mm-hmm. at the time, and we were like, "Is they are they really so far removed from it?" But granted, I had kids who were from that culture who would bring up that word, and it was a conversation in my classes. Yeah, if they didn't go to that kind of school, then but this there are words that even Austin and I having been raised by people who grew up in this generation had never heard. But our parents also wouldn't have used them, so... No. So just be aware of that, but it was really good. It was really good. Yeah. Um, Okay, anyway... A lot, of, a lot of horror movies this week. Love horror movies. We do. It's uh, we're getting also, ready for October. If uh, uh, since Taylor Swift isn't paying for our roof, and we're getting our roof fixed next week, and the library doesn't have any of the Halloween movies, like, and I don't mean just they're checked out. I mean the library does not have them. If anybody knows where I can get really cheap copies of all of the Halloween sequels, please let me know. Anyway, when we think of musicians with uncaged, raw sexual magnetism, only one name could possibly come to mind. I'm not reading it, I'm thinking. <laughs> well, since we just watched Only Murders in the Building, we're gonna go with Sting. Sting. Very close. <laughs> Very close. Uncaged, raw sexual magnetism? Uncaged, raw sexual magnetism. Okay, if I had to think of ones that were literally just known for their uncaged, raw sexual magnetism, I'd probably go with Bon Jovi. Really? Yeah, like, because th- that was kind of his thing. I was thinking Drake. Well, I was thinking, you know. Or Madonna. I get, I could see Madonna. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking classic. Like, okay. This is what they- Wait, uh, is Madonna not classic? <laughs> 
I think she is at this point. She is, but I'm like I'm talking like this was what this was the number one thing they were known for. For I'm, am I I'm not confusing Bon Jovi with Billy Joel, Billy Idol, am I? I don't know. Uh, the one that was in Labyrinth. You mean David Bowie? There we go. <laughs> okay, I think you're right. You're yeah, David Bowie. David Bowie. David, David Bowie. Bowie. See, it's not even that I know that. Like when I hear their songs, I know which one I'm listening to. But I don't have a clear picture in my head. Oh, wait, no. Mick Jagger. Kesha oh, says yeah. that's the one that we need to be sl- focusing on. Yeah. And it's like and Maroon, Maroon 5. 5. Yeah. Wow. So obviously that's the sexual magnetism is yep. Mick. Every time I'm looking, I'm like, have you seen Mick Jagger? Just leathery, leathery Mick Jagger. Women threw themselves at him. Men wanted to be him. He revolutionized the concert, completely changed live music. It could only be famed 19th century Hungarian composer Franz list hey he came up on the chase earlier today yeah, he did it was which of these composers was uh, alive in the ni- in the 20th century and i knew it was Rachmaninoff. yep and list was one of the options i knew and I actually said i know for sure it wasn't list is that why you had the slight panic in your eyes yeah <laughs> because like I, okay a little panic because you were like talking about musicians like oh shit oh shit did she start talking about list too <laughs> no no, I told him that I knew Rachmaninoff was from the 20th century because of Char- of Willy, the original Willy Wonka movie. Because um, the music, like that she plays on the piano as the keys, she's uh, the lady says it's Rachmaninoff and it's not. Anyway, I know lots of things about music. That was written in here. I don't know much about music, but I really only knew of List. <laughs> I'm gonna read this as you, just yeah. so you know. From a few works I heard and played over the years, I never learned much about the man himself. Well, that changes now. Franz Liszt in Hungarian, it was Liszt Ferenc. Yeah, it's easy would be K. Yeah. Um, was born in 1811 in the Kingdom of Hungary in the Austri- Austrian Empire. His father, Adam Liszt, was also a successful composer in the service of Prince Nicholas. Strahazi. 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 Thank you for putting that. Strahazi. Strahazi. Look at me being kind and considerate while you tortured me with bluegrass. I didn't. Could you not pronounce any of them? I could. (laughs) And personally knew Haydn and Beethoven. This Haydn, right? Yeah. His father was also able to get Salieri to teach Liszt piano. Salieri also taught Mozart's children piano and was the music director of the Viennese court and is also in the very long movie Amadeus. Yes, he is. Which was the number one movie the year I was born, I believe. I think so. Yeah, it came out around the time we were born. And watch, we were, Austin and I were talking about it the other day and how this movie actively makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, you see this a lot with composers where they make you very uncomfortable and also where their parents were already musicians with access to patrons, instruments, and quality teachers. Kind of like how Megan the Stallion's mother was also a musician or how Hannah Montana has a striking, striking resemblance to Miley Cyrus. I think they might have been sisters and their dad is her, like Miley's dad is Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah. Hannah Montana really looks like her. Yes. Uh, The world may never know. Austin has never seen the end of Hannah Montana, and I don't think he knows there's a Hannah Montana movie. (gasps) There's a Hannah Montana movie? There is. What? I'm sad you've never seen it. We're going to watch it. Okay. Well, List was able to rise quickly in the musical world. He had his first patron at the age of nine send him to music school in Vienna, and he had a waltz he composed published in an anthology by the age of 11. 
After List's father died in 1827, List went to Paris with his mother and lived there for the next five years giving piano lessons. During this time, he got dumped by the finance minister's daughter and got so sad he took ne- took ill and nearly died. They actually wrote an obituary for him, which is actually really common when you're dealing with fam- famous people. They yeah. write obituaries before they even die, mm-hmm. usually before they're even sick. Yeah. So, like, if you watch 30 Rock, you'll see them talking about this. That is a real thing. They always have obituaries ready to go for famous people. Yeah. Although I don't think they had any going for Chadwick Boseman because no one saw that coming. Nope. (sighs) But after getting over his ex, he really got into romanticism, a style of music emphasizing originality, individuality, personal emotional expression, and freedom and experimentation on form. That's right. He got dumped and decided to use that as fuel to make music. Just like Taylor Swift, and also just like Taylor Swift, he did not pay for our roof. He did not. That bastard. He did do a lot of philanthropy in his entire life, but not paying for our roof. Not paying for our roof. He went on to tour once just to raise money for a Beethoven memorial. So I can let him not paying for our roof slide this time. I can't. No. It's like, no. He, sure, he's been dead for over 100 years, but I mean, that's no excuse at this point. I mean, we don't know what's in the wall directly behind me. Maybe it's him decomposing. <laughs> <laughs> so we would say today that he is a decomposer? Yes. He also met Victor Hugo during this time and was also inspired to write a work based on the 1830 revolution that led that Hugo based Les Miserables on. Again, go back and listen to the episode on this. Les Miserables is not based on the French Revolution. It is based on one of the many French revolutions, but not the one you're thinking of. Then List made a big change in his life in 1832. He went to a concert. The end. Yep. <laughs> he went to a concert, a chariot, a chariot, a charity benefit concert, although I prefer chariot benefit. Yes. A charity benefit concert to raise money for a cholera outbreak in Paris. While at this at this 19th century version of Live Aid, List saw the famed violin virtuoso Paganini and decided he wanted to do that, but with the piano. And this is when he launched his concert career and took Europe by storm for the next eight years. Now, I haven't mentioned this yet, but List was hot. Like, he was a gorgeous man, a total 10. Hans Christian Andersen called him, quote, a slim young man with dark hair around his pale face. A really boring but accurate description of his Timothy Chalamet-looking motherfucker face. But the poet Heinrich Hein wrote, quote, how powerful, how shattering was his mere physical appearance. We have photos of him as an old man and lots and lots of drawings of him from when he was young. Pretty sexy. And his appearance had an effect on women. Like, think Idris Elba on The Office. Which, okay, if you're comparing him to Idris Elba, I get it. Yeah. I get it. it like, again, gorgeous. Gorgeous, gorgeous man. Hein coined the term listomania to describe it, like Beatlemania. Exactly. It's exactly Beatlemania. His concert caused hysterical reactions and, quote, mystical levels of ecstasy. Beatlemania. Yeah. yeah. Women fought over his gloves and handkerchiefs. Were they used handkerchiefs? Uh, probably. People tried to steal his hair off of his head? Yeah. 
Ow. Yeah. Fans would make bracelets out of his broken piano strings. That's actually like a fashionable thing now. Yeah. I mean, not his specifically, but... I mean, if you could find one, I bet that'd be worth a lot of money. His fans would put pictures of his face in lockets and carry around cameos of his face. Cameos were like little relief statues of someone's face. Nothing to do with getting celebrities to record personal messages for you. You know, I bet we could find a celebrity who would send us a cameo of them, like, who owns a cameo of themselves, and they would do it with the cameo blocking their face. Oh my god, it's cameos within cameos within cameos. Yeah, like, this is very meta. So meta. It's like peeing with the Rockettes. Peeing with what? Uh, It's a Friends reference. They're in the bathroom, and there's mirrors on both sides, and it was like, uh, Joey said, it's like I was peeing with the Rockettes, and Chandler says... Yep, that's my dream. And you know, this Chuck, he goes, no, seriously. That's my dream. That's my dream. <laughs> oh, Chandler. There was a widely circulated story about a lady-in-waiting who saw him discard a cigar butt. So she, she snatched it out of the gutter and had it put in a locket with his initials written in diamonds. It smelled real bad. I hope that's true. It's... I don't know if it's true, but it was widely spread at the time. So... Ooh, but while touring, he met his wife in yeah. 1833. The... Countess Marie de Gault. De Gault? De Gault? I don't know what country she's from. So France. Uh, Marie de Gault is what I would guess. Um, who left her husband and ran off to Switzerland with Liszt. They ended up mostly separated after four years and fully separated in 1844. So was he not hot enough for her? He was on tour and wasn't making time for her and the kids. So... Like, come on, man. This is actually uh, part of the reason they split up was because instead of going back to Paris with her, he went on that tour to build a memorial for Beethoven. Mm. So that w- that's what caused his marriage to fall apart. He was just chasing the music. He wasn't just a pretty face. So she didn't want just another pretty face. No. She didn't want just anyone to hold. She didn't <laughs> want her love to go to waste. She wanted him and his beautiful soul. <laughs> That's what you're telling me. And he would not give her all of this. So she had to leave to find someone who was just not another pretty face, not just anyone to hold. (laughs) He changed the way music was performed. In fact, if it wasn't for him, we probably wouldn't have that song that I just started quoting. No. (laughs) He wrote that song. (laughs) But it's in German. It lost a lot in translation. Okay, that song is always really creepy to me, though. It's I so want, creepy. I want you and your beautiful soul. I'm like, all I hear is you want my soul. It's like basically, it's like the devil went down to Georgia where they're having that fill contest, but creepy. Firstly, he memorized his music, which was viewed as unnecessarily showing off. Haydn is reported to have chided his students who performed without sheet music. Okay, so I was on the debate team, and on the debate team... You had to do a seven or eight minute um, speech. You had it all written out. Some people use note cards. I had it all written out just like I do for us. And by like the third or fourth debate tournament, you have the whole thing memorized, including when you're supposed to turn the pages to make it appear like you are reading. <laughs> um, so I was there. I would read it and I would have like these. This was before we really understood how to do citations within speeches. So I would be reading out these extremely long URLs and I would have them completely memorized, just flip the pages and I'd be able to talk. And the other team members would be like sitting back looking a little afraid. But I got one on my speaking every time. But my partner would not. We were not a well-trained debate team. No. <laughs> but yeah, you memorize that shit whether you want to or not. 
Uh, but it wasn't like Liszt would have been able to read the music because of the other ways he changed the performance. He would emote and move, like not a lot. He was still at the piano, but he would deviate from written music. And that really annoyed the stuffed shirts who came to his concert. Like, excuse me, Mozart wrote it that way. Does he really think he knows better than Mozart? Mozart? He would pour his heart into his performance and would work so hard that sweat would drip from his brow and onto the piano. I don't have to work hard at all for that to happen with me. I don't know where these pianos keep coming from, though. It's like, where do we keep getting these pianos? We have a very small house. He would also make a flashy entrance. He and I have a lot in common. He would not just simply walk from the wings to the piano and sit down. It doesn't tell me what he did do. What did he do? He would like just like walk through, wave at people, just... He made his concerts not just about hearing music. Also, Austin did some spirit fingers there. Yeah. Uh, People would come to see him put himself into the music and give it personality and emotion. And then in 1847, Liszt met Princess Caroline Zusane Wittenstein. 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 Hey, I was close. At least I knew the W was a V. Yeah. Who convinced him to stop touring and settle down and compose again. But she she also invited Liszt to move in with her and wanted to marry him. But she was married to a Russian prince. Yeah. She tried to get people, the Pope, to invalidate her wedding so she could marry List, but the Tsar wrote the Pope asking him to forbid marrying List and also impounded her estates in Ukraine, pretty much putting a stop to that. Yeah. It was wild. Like, he shacked up with a princess for years writing music. Where's the prince during this? He's just like, whatever. He was like, he was in Russia. Like he, the... he does not care that this is happening. Yeah. Like, this was she... like, like, these were royal weddings. It was just like, mostly Has she a... already borne him a son? Like, is it done? In the 1860s, List had a personal crisis. I feel like he's had several. This sounds yeah. like a very dramatic person. Oh my God. No, it, it really was. Like, this entire thing, it's... The exact same formula as, like, Walk the Line or Ray or any of those other stupid musician biopics. Same plotline. His 20-year-old son and 26-year-old daughter died in the same year, and he told friends he wanted to retreat to a life of solitary living. I get that. So, like in the third act of every musician biopic, <laughs> he found Jesus and became a tonsured? Tonsured monk. They had, like, I don't know, it's like the, official. The bald head? Yeah. Like the official monk. He was uh, official. He was a monk in the order of St. Francis. So where was Jesus this whole time? Like, if he's the one who found him, where was he? I don't know. Keep reading. <laughs> he spent the next 11 years traveling between Germany, Budapest, and Rome, giving music lessons and composing music. He is estimated to have traveled 4,000 miles a year during that time. They had trains by now, but that's still a lot of tra- travel. But still, that's not nearly as impressive as the guys who would walk 500 miles. Oh, then they'd walk 500 more. And then they would reasonably fall down at someone's door. Well, they they were the man who walked 1,000 miles just to fall down at their door. Like, they're committed. And you know who else would walk 1,000 miles just to see you? Is Michelle Branch. Yeah. If she could just see you. Well, technically, she she just drove a piano 1,000 miles. Hold you. Tonight. Tonight. Uh, he, on- he only stopped when Hungary appointed him the first director of the National Orchestra, Theater, and Royal Academy of Music. He is not doing this monk thing right, I don't think. No, no, he really wasn't. List happily did this job and personally provided stipends for 200 musicians. List was a vocal proponent of musicians and artists and thought they should be viewed as equals and laborers, not as servants for the wealthy. That a musician or artist had value beyond their ability to attract a wealthy patron and should be able to make a living independently. So, but 
how did he feel about women? Because this kind of sounds like what women are struggling against now. I don't know. I mean, he loved the ladies, but I'm not sure if it was like in a creepy way or... List died on July 31st, 1886 at the age of 74. He had been in poor health for several years, but he still had it. Claude Debussy... Okay, no Debussy is... Debussy. Okay. Saw him perform shortly before his death and described the natural ease List had at the piano like watching a form of breathing. I like that. So the next time you think of Elvis, the Beatles, NSYNC, or the Backstreet Boys, who are basically the same thing as NSYNC, but better. I'm sorry, Austin. You know that's not true. What? I can't believe you'd say that completely independently of me. You know that's not true. I thought you loved loved NSYNC. Even you have admitted that NSYNC is superior. I mean, I thought this before, but I just heard you say it, so... And the horde of screaming fans they attracted. Thank List for making music not just be about the music. And also that his life was structured like a lot of musician biopics that we make fun of. So why isn't there a drama about List trying to win all the Oscars? Yeah, seriously. I feel like you do it. Timothy Chalamet looks exactly like List. Why isn't he being in the List movie? It's like Amadeus, but updated. You'd feel like he'd be at the top of the list. Oh, that's the title. (laughs) (laughs) So how'd I do? You did a very good job. (laughs) I I took out, okay, I took out about 50, like, long, complicated German names from this. Did we miss any, like, important content I needed to add in? No, it's good. I was just like basically like name dropping celebrities because that's what you do in these biopics. Sure. Maybe that's why they made the biopic because nobody can pronounce any of the names. <laughs> like, I don't. Do you think do you think um, Timothy Chalamet could pronounce Wit- Wit- Wittgenstein? I think Timothy Chalamet can do pretty much whatever he wants. I like him. He's good. Like, and what is he? He's a baby, isn't he? He's like 21. Yeah, he is. He is itty bitty. Oh, we. I still kind of want to see Dune. I have never read the books and I've been told not to. Yeah, it's... Is good. Timothy spelled with two E's? I feel like it is. I don't know. I didn't look it up. Yeah. Uh, also, you heard me say Timothy Chalamet, look at the motherfucker. Uh, Austin described somebody like that once. On the podcast. On the po- No, like, this was not on the podcast. It was, like, just on our... We were watching TV. You are talking about some Timothy Chalamet, look at the motherfucker. And we say that about everything now, including Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we really get it. We, like, as soon as we saw he was hosting SNL, we're like, oh, we actually got to stay up and watch this Timothy Chalamet, look at motherfucker. <laughs> He was funny. I, yeah. I, he just, he looks so cute. Just say, he, he, like him and Patrick Mahomes, I just kind of want to pinch both of their cheeks. They should be in a buddy cop movie together. I think that would work, yes. That would work. That would really work. I mean, we've seen Patrick Mahomes successfully do commercials. Yeah. I guess I gotta ask some questions, don't you I? You do. All right. Will this be on the test? Will Listomania be on the test? Yes, it will. Will the fact that the people who seem to be describing him in the sexiest possible ways uh, were other men be on the test? That will, and it will not raise any questions because... Yeah, the whole time I'm reading this, I'm thinking about... I was thinking about Christopher Marlowe for a lot of this. Yes. Um, That's a whole other thing. Will the fact that he was the worst monk ever be on the test? I mean, I don't think he was the worst monk ever. No, I he mean... didn't, like, hurt anybody, I guess. Yeah. But he wasn't, he wasn't great like, at it. Like, he joined the monkhood and then just ran off and did that, his own thing? It's like, oh yeah, I'm a monk living a solitary life. Hold on, you want me to travel between three different countries? Okay. <laughs> Being famous? All right, I guess I will. Well, the fact that he was the first musician to really put on a show when he's not an actor who sings, be on the test. Yeah, I think it will. And will the fact that he was 
left by his wife because she didn't want just another pretty face to be on the test. Yeah, I think so. And that is She wanted someone who'll be there for the kids. This that is the story of um, Franz Liszt. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> we both talked about music. We did. Uh, Austin probably put that on me because he thought it'd be really funny to watch me try to pronounce the names and because he knows I know almost nothing about music. Yep. Which is why he got scared earlier when I knew which one was not definitely definitely not alive in the in the 20th century. I was so scared that you were going to talk about List. No, I actually couldn't name a single piece that List wrote. Oh, he wrote oh gosh, um not Faust, but something similar. Like he wrote Wait, if did he if he wrote Faust, that ties him even back further to Christopher Marlowe. Yeah, he wrote a Is lot. Is he Christopher Marlowe? He might be. No, he's not. Is he the reincarnation of Christopher Marlowe? I don't think so. Are you sure? Pretty sure. See, is that only because you don't believe in reincarnation? It might just be because of that. <laughs> so this is episode 100, like we said. Woohoo! And we decided to switch things up this time. We went through so many different ideas for what we could do for this. Um, and we might go back to some of them another time, but we figured this was the, first of all, the easiest because like, like, like our pet died last week and we've had some, you know, health scares and the people around us, things like that. Everybody's, well, steak's not fine, but all the humans are doing okay. But we decided, you know, not only is this the easiest, this one's going to be really funny to see how much we can talk with each other. I should have, I should have gone harder. You should have gone harder. I'm like, I'm too soft and you twisted the knife. But you always twist the knife. I yell at horror and action movies, like, twist the knife. That's like, that is how you get them to stay down. It's really weird when you start yelling that at like restaurants. <laughs> well, at the same time, Austin, you have a really hard time cutting your steak. Twist the knife. How would that help cutting a steak? <laughs> so um, we hope you enjoyed this special edition of Will This Be On The Test. Before we get into our normal sign-off stuff, we are taking the next two weeks off today this comes out on september today is the 12th so september 14th um so we will not be back on the 21st we will not be back on the 28th we'll be back in october i guess yeah we'll be back just in time for spooky season yeah uh and we love halloween we are so excited for it to be halloween legit most of the reason we cut down that tree was because it blocked the view of all of our halloween decorations yeah seriously last year i was so mad that because we were like finally you know what fuck this year because we we again this year aren't having our normal halloween party because covid still yeah seriously guys put on your fucking masks take your fucking vaccines let me have my halloween party and we're, but we're gonna try to make our decorations even bigger but we wanted to decorate and we realized that it was useless because there's this big ass tree in our front yard so that's the main reason we actually cut down a whole ass tree in fairness though to our environmentalists out there remember, it was an invasive species it, it was and also it was dying like we yeah. didn't know it was dying okay but we cut it open and there was um definitely boring insects that were taking over so it was going to uh i mean i don't gotta say if these insects were boring they might have been very exciting we never met them uh no they were definitely boring the bees were the exciting ones oh god i got stung in the face by a bee yeah and also i learned that bumblebees apparently sting yeah i, I didn't think they stung uh i have never been stung by a bee i have been stung by a scorpion and really yeah never stung by a bee never stung by a wasp um, and, and mosquitoes love me. I don't know what it is about bees wanting to avoid me, but I'm pretty okay with it. Yeah, lucky you. They were all over me. So you were like their version of List. Yep. 
I was like list. Just I was out there. I was sweaty. I was working my heart out. And also, I just have to clarify, NSYNC kicks Backstreet Boys' ass every time. They absolutely do. Though there are some really fun TikTok crossovers where the guys from both groups get together and, like, do songs of each other's. And, you know, I actually enjoy a good TikTok. And I follow Lance Bass on there, and it's pretty funny. Oh, Lance Bass. I love the one where, like, he went through and was calling the other members of NSYNC and then immediately hanging up on them. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, sorry, and it's not a good time. It's not a good time it's for not me. A good, and so he did one for JC, who he was sitting next to in that moment. And then he called Justin Timberlake, who didn't answer. Yeah. <laughs> Justin did come out. He's like, I was busy. <laughs> but I, I've got kids. You don't have kids. <laughs> It's like, I'm trying to go to space. That's as important as children. Uh, although I think some people with kids probably also wish they could go to space. Yeah, probably. <sighs> so, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, the, during this time, I'm going to be trying to figure out how to fix the website. The website is up, but it's just kind of not as good as it could be. So I'm working on getting that done. We're working on uh, some other stuff that's related to the podcast. Basically, this is time is not just us chilling out, but also but, like taking the time that we'd normally spend on our episodes to work on the podcast itself in a more business end way. So don't forget about us and make sure that you rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends to do the same. If you have not yet reviewed us on the iTunes, because apparently that is still important, despite the fact that iTunes is no longer the number one used uh, platform for this, they are still the one of the few that actually really allows reviews and they their reviews actually really factor into how well you perform on Google. So if you listen to us and have not yet reviewed us, it's really, really helpful. If you don't have an Apple device, it it makes it impossible unless you steal your friend's Apple device and just do it on there. Yeah. Just like go around to various losses of pounds and say, excuse me, I left my iPhone here and then take it, go review us and say, oh, no, this isn't my iPhone and hand it back. Yes, we would very much appreciate that. Hand it back. Handing it back simply. Yeah, we don't want you to steal anything. No, don't steal And like also when you go on to fix your family members' iPhones, like you know you're going to have to, then do that. Give us a little rating and review. They won't even notice. It's fine. It's fine. It's It's fine. fine. And where else can people find us other than places where they can rate, review, and subscribe? Well, they can find us at Twitter at On The Test Pod, on Instagram at On The Test Pod, at, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash On The Test Pod, and our website, On The Test Pod.com. And you can find us on any major podcast platform and a lot of the minor ones. Yep. Uh, basically, if you're listening to this right now, you've already found us. Good job. Good job, everybody. We are, apparently, we are easier to find than Jesus. Yeah, it never told us where List found him. So, like, did like is I think there, like, he was chasing him around. Seek happening. I figure like was lit was Jesus part of Listomania? Was he in the audience? Li- uh, Jesus was following List around, kind of like how uh, Jerry, Jerry Garcia. Garcia followed around the Bluegrass Boys. That I love that. I love that idea. Got to keep that in our heads. <laughs> people find Je- people don't find Jesus. Jesus finds them and then follows their band. He follow he follows you like a sting song. Every Stop. breath you take, every move you make. I'll be watching you. Okay, seriously, if you really think about the songs by the police, they're all super creepy. Yeah. So I'm going to, um, we've talked about music this week. We've talked about how creepy the police are. So I'm going to leave you to ponder the creepiness of the police on that note. Class, class dismissed. dismissed. See you in two weeks. Well, three weeks? How does time work?